Welcome everybody to our post-message show. Glad to be with you. We've been off for a couple of weeks with everybody traveling, but it's good to be back. We started a new series this week called Arrows. Had a good time yesterday. Yeah, it was good. I'm excited for this series. I think it's going to be maybe very selfishly helpful for me as a parent. So I'm excited for it, but I think it's going to be helpful for a lot of people. I hope so. I really do. I think it'll be good. Yeah. I found myself yesterday, like, just in the very beginning, you talking about bringing Michael home for the first time, going, yep, yep. Like, remembering all of those feelings of, I don't know why they sent me home with this kid. In hindsight, I realized it was because I was with Rachel, but I, <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. No doubt. Please help somebody. <laughs> um, so I really am. I'm excited to dive into um, Psalm 127 and just unpacking that and then what that looks like for for me, selfishly, again, as a dad and how to live that out. I think there's something as a dad. This, this is true for me. I felt like, uh, thinking back, and you, you made me think of this when you said having Rachel there, it almost felt like Alexa just kind of instinctually had something, the mothering mm-hmm. thing just turned on in her, and she was just so good at it from the start, and I felt lost. I felt like, oh, wow, I, I don't know what to do. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> Mothers, I don't know that I still have any idea what I'm doing. No kidding. Mothers have something. Obviously, it's nothing new for anybody, but they have something that we don't have. Just yep. this instinctual something. And it kicked in. Not being very... Uh, <laughs> no, I know. Very descriptive very well. But, uh, you know, uh, she had it and uh, still does. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I still, you know, my kids are grown now, but I still sometimes feel like, wow, do I know what I'm doing here? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I loved I loved how you kicked off of that, and then um, just really found myself relating with that idea of, yeah, I remember being in that moment. And then obviously things have changed some as you grow in it, um, but really thinking about that idea of what what are we aiming at? And I loved how you landed on just the truth of it. Of at the end of the day, really, what I want is I want them to know Jesus, and for them to know their purpose, like what it what has they been called to do. Um, Whenever you set a goal of any kind, you have to really look at what you're doing on a daily basis and ask yourself that tough, tough question. Is, is what I'm actually doing on a daily basis moving me toward the actual goal? Right. You know, the or- organizations have to do that. We have to do it as a church. Many times we, we have to step back and say, why are we doing this? And what is our actual goal here? And is the... Are the daily activities that we're doing, the systems and the all that we do, the tasks, the appointments, everything that we do, are all these things actually pointed towards our mission or are they mm-hmm. pulling energy away from it, you know? And that's yeah. so important as a parent. And I don't think, I don't know that early on as a parent, I really sat down and thought, what is my goal for my children, you know? Right. And you, parents sometimes just do their best to do the right things. Sometimes I think as parents, we get pressured into a lot of stuff with our kids oh, yeah. that isn't necessarily helpful. It isn't necessarily bad either. I think there may be, and you, you're more in this now than I am. I was there, but I remember mine growing up, you almost felt this pressure that they had to be involved in so many things. You know, mm-hmm. There's so many opportunities, and they're, they're obviously good opportunities. You know, You can be involved in sports, you know. 
a lot of kids involved in dance, things like that. See a lot of kids. Gymnastics is another thing. I know a lot of our staff kids are in all of those things. And uh, then you have school and homework and church and everything else. And uh, it can be really easy to get them involved in so much that you don't have a lot of time for anything. Well, and this just hit me, but just us thinking through those couple of things, like I wonder if we, there's so much of that, I don't know what I'm doing, that we go, maybe these people do. <laughs> we go, please help. Yeah. I don't know, because it's like, I don't know how, how do I teach my kid teamwork? I'll put them in sports. Or how do I, you know, get them involved in in relationship with other people? And it's, um, I think we lose sight of, well, that's what you've been entrusted to do is to be that example. Um there's a lot to be learned. I heard someone uh, some years ago push back a little bit against sports a bit. Now, I'm a mm-hmm. fan of sports, and I think it's really good for kids to be involved in sports. I think you can overdo it. The pushback I heard was someone said, you know, when uh, unless you're actually coaching or out on the field, a lot of times in sports when your kids are in it, you're kind of observing them, mm-hmm. and they're out on the field, you know, and you don't get as much time to uh, really interact with them. You know, there, there's a balance to that that may or may not be true. But I remember hearing that pushback and thinking about it. I guess if you had your child involved in this sport and that sport and the other sport, it would be, it could be that you become a spectator rather than a participant yeah. in what they're doing. Of course, you have the trip there and back, and there are lessons you could talk to them about. So um, I just think the danger is getting pressured by the culture to have your kids involved in so much that you never can sit down and have dinner together. We talked about that yesterday. Uh, Growing up, I remember sitting down and having dinner with my parents a lot. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, that was a regular occurrence and it was just a time that we ate together. Um, I would say with my children, we did not sit down at a table and have dinner together as much as I did as a child. And some of that was just baseball, dance, gymnastics, school, all the stuff they got involved in, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, I think we let, I think sometimes we let that, excuse me, the, they have friends that are doing things, and so they want to do things. And so as a parent, you want to go, you know, and you talked about it, like making them happy. Like, you do want to make them happy, but I don't think, I think a lot of times we, we have this tendency to want to go, well, I want to make you happy, so we'll do that thing, and we'll skip over. Even if you know, I really wish we were sitting around the table, but I guess we'll go to baseball or whatever the thing is. I think a lot of times we kind of give in to the peer pressure, for lack of a better way of saying it, that they have, which then puts a pressure on us to like kind of keep up with everybody else and what they're doing. Um, but maybe that's not what God's called you to do and called them to do. Yeah. I was thinking through that, like you talking through, you know, like if the target really is for them to know Jesus and then to know the purpose God has for them. I don't know exactly fulfilling yeah, uh, the call that he has, you know, like, you know, I, obviously I'm thinking of my kids. I have a seven year old daughter and a 12 year old son. And with Ellie, we're definitely like really focused on the know Jesus. Like this is what it means to know Jesus. And we've been doing that with Andrew. And now I feel like we're getting into that, you know, how are you going to fulfill that? Like, what is that purpose in you? And I, if I'm being honest, I feel like I'm kind of back to, to that same feeling I had when I brought him home the first time. Like, I don't know how to do this. So maybe it's me saying, you got any advice for that, for that parent? Me specifically, but really anybody like that's trying to 
draw that out of their their son or their daughter like are there questions you can ask are there um are there certain moments to lean into and i don't know if there's a great answer i just i find myself in that area with him right now going how do i how do i call that out of him yeah or see it in him maybe i don't know i think you just really need to watch your children and learn who they are you know you begin to see their interests and their passions things they're good at, things they're not, and just encourage those things, you know, encourage them to be who God's called them to be. One of the things we're likely to talk about, I've got a good friend who's been helping with this series and um, who's a marriage and family uh, counselor, really good at this. I remember what he said. Uh, he said, our goal is not just to have compliant children. If you think about that, that, that could easily become your goal. Let's just get this child to do what I want them to do on a regular basis to make my life easier. You know, he's really loud, let me try to make him quiet. Or he's disorganized, let me make him organized, or whatever it is. Uh, the goal is not to just create a little compliant child who does what you tell them to do. The goal is to develop them into who God's called them to be. Sometimes that's uncomfortable. You know, I think we all had the tendency to try to make them into us. Yeah. You know, and I told my kids this too. I told them before, listen, I've gone ahead of you. I've seen a lot in life. This is what I've learned. Don't do this. Do do this. And if I'm honest, sometimes I just didn't want to make mistakes because I'd be pretty uncomfortable to me. Yes. See them making mistakes. I want them to. The truth is everybody has to learn all this for themselves. Yeah. You know? Sometimes the only way you learn the stove is hot is to touch the burner. Yeah. doesn't make sense, but that's just reality for some people. And your kids, too, aren't necessarily you. You know, I look at both of mine. I can see qualities, you know, in them that were more like me or more like their mom. But in so many ways, they're so different from me. Right. And so they have to approach things differently from how I did or how yeah. I would. Which is hard to wrap your head around a little bit. It really is. Parenting is a real journey, and it's a real education and human nature, yeah. you know. You just have to find out who that child is and uh, what God's put inside of them and encourage that and support that. And, and there are times you have to curb behaviors that will take them away from that. Mm -hmm. Same time, you have to be very patient with who they're becoming and not try to just mold them into you. Yeah. Well, and I think that, I mean, that goes to your second point. You talked about the community aspect of things like, I think there's a lot of value in that. And you talked really specifically about the church and making sure you're getting them around people that are chasing after Jesus and in that environment. Because, again, at the end of the day, they're not you, and you can only shape them so much. There's there's other people that I think God's called to, to help shape them too. Um, I know for me that was that might be one of the biggest areas, I think, in my faith that really shaped who I am is the people that, my parents allowed me to be around or not be around um, and pour into me. I didn't get into the negative side of that yesterday, right. but um, guiding them in community, especially early on, is so important. I talked about the necessity to kind of plug in mm -hmm. to a place. Um, I think people, parents that skip around from church to church to church all the time, can very quickly leave their children without any sense of being rooted and grounded and leave their children without any kind of community. 
I think you find a church that believes the Bible and teaches the Bible and is on mission and God's called you to and you stay there through the good and the bad. That's my view of it. You don't right. leave as soon as something makes you mad or goes your way because you kind of uproot the whole family and pull them around. I was raised from the time my parents came to Christ in one church, you know, till I went off to college. And uh, those people in that church became very much family to us, you know. When they passed, it was a family member passing, you know, and, and, and the ones that are still alive uh, still are family to us. I talked about that yesterday. I do think that um, kids reach a point in their lives, or children do, when they need the outside voice uh, that's not mom and dad. Okay. They need an adult from the outside to tell them things. Because there's always that tension when you're raised at home with somebody and it's mom and dad. You kind of get fatigued by their voice sometimes and you're just sick of hearing them say yeah, it. You have to say that, Dad. Like, yeah, you're a dad. That's what dads are supposed to say. <laughs> then you get a real, you know, adult male or female outside of the parents saying those things. It carries some weight. Mm -hmm. And I think you really have to shape that community and keep them in church and, and connect them with people who are older, you know, who you trust, who, mm -hmm. who have proven themselves and their faith, you know, journey. Uh, so that's just critical to me. Yeah. And, uh, well, I think it's just just something powerful, even if you take faith out of it, like having people in your kids' lives that care about them, that changes, I mean, it just changes a kid. Like mm -hmm. they know they're loved. They're loved at home and they're loved wherever that other space is because there's people there that love them, you know. Um, yeah, I don't think everybody gets to say that. Yeah. And I think the church is a huge part of why, you know, I get to say that. Um, I had a very similar in church, grew up in the same church. That's my family. I haven't seen them in five or ten years. We're family, you know. Um, yeah. And so I think it's almost, you're kind of robbing your kid if you don't give them something like that. Like, if there's not that sort of environment outside of you as a parent, where they are still loved by an adult. Because there's teachers in your life but they're there because that's their role, you know? Um, so I think there's a lot of value in that. For me, I had a, it's just personal, but I had a real education in how church works because I've been in it all my life. Yeah. You know, I saw people and families come and go and uh, saw good times and hard times. I mentioned a man named Henry Powell, who was the, uh, to, in some services I did, maybe not all of them, but he and his wife were these precious people and, he greeted everyone at the door when people came in, everyone. And he always had a fun little joke or a riddle or a story or something silly. He was a, he worked for the post office. He was a mailman, but he was this incredible, uh, I don't know, he was just a, an energy and a, a solid, holy man. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, in so many ways, he and his wife, but he, he taught me just watching him. He never gave me a lesson. Just watching him yeah. taught me how to go around and love people in church and just spend time. And it never was in depth. It was never, uh, it was 45 second conversations. Right. And, and that's one of the things that I do constantly yeah. from the time I walk on the property till I'm off is have those 45 second conversations. And it's, I love it. Yeah. I learned that from him. I watched him. That's so cool. And it wasn't it wasn't like he sat down and gave you a master's class. He just he he lived he it out and he you did. saw it. We just didn't sit down and right, yeah. intentionally do that. But yeah, I got a 
I got a master class. And, you were surrounded and, by it. Yeah. yeah, I just saw it every time. And just having him there at that door, he was always there. And he was also our worship leader. You know, it was a small church, so he, he led the, I guess they called it song leader back then, you know. Yeah. But uh, he did that, and, and it's just, you never forget people like that. Yeah. I still have some a little card that he gave me years ago. I have it packed away. He, he'd hand out these funny little things. I can still tell you jokes that he told and everything. <laughs> he was some kind of guy. That's really cool. So you hit the target, build a community, and then I think you ended with um, habits. Yeah, just, just really instilling those habits. Developing solid practices in the home. Yeah. I love Deuteronomy 6 so much because it just gives us those times of day. Yeah. I really related with those. That I mean, that hit like, oh yeah, that is what's happening. It, it's it's there, and and the thing that so many conversations just just happen, and they're so important, and you don't plan them, you cannot schedule those. Mm-hmm. Your kids ask you a question: How many parents do I hear from that they go home from church on a random Sunday, and the kid pops up and says, "How do I ask Jesus into my heart?" You know. And all of a sudden, these parents realize this is the day their child's going to come to Christ and really give their life to Jesus. Nobody planned that. Nobody got up in the morning thinking that's going to happen. But that is the most monumental day in that child's life. And it just happened after dinner one night. You know, It happened as they were sitting around a table or maybe watching a TV show. They were together in the home. And that happens a ton at Upward. I hear it a lot. You know, yeah. We pray with kids all the time you know, to receive Christ, but... I hear a ton of this. Uh, my child asked me to uh, accept Jesus in their heart. One of the things that hits us a lot is around baptism time. Yeah. We always, and, and I I didn't plan this. I didn't make this happen. Other people did who were smarter than me about this. Somebody came up with the idea that every time we have a baptism, all the children's church comes in there, all of them. Mm. So we empty the children's church, uh, maybe not the babies, but the ones who yeah. were, able, were able to get to the sanctuary. They come out of their class and they fill up a whole corner over there watching the baptisms take place, right? So they see these baptisms, and a lot of times our baptisms are, are kids, you know, which is awesome because they've just came, come to Christ, you know. And so we'll baptize them, and then the kids will start asking about that. They'll ask mom and dad, what is that? What does that mean? Well, maybe I should be baptized. And then the mom and dad get to have a conversation about what it means to come to Christ and give your life to Christ. And just the kids seeing that physical demonstration of baptism is so powerful because they, mm-hmm. they want to do that because they know they see other kids up there and think, well, it's my turn to do that. And then it leads to a whole conversation about what it means to come to Christ. Yeah. And tons of kids pray with their parents to receive Christ. And it just happens. But those daily practices are so good. I, I, I uh, just some years ago it struck me how to do Deuteronomy six. How it basically gives you a schedule when you're at home. It does, yeah. When you're at home when you're on the road. When you get up. When you go to bed. It's an opportunity for a con- conversation. Yeah, yeah. I've had similar conversations in the car with Andrew, um, but I think the one that for us and just the way that we do is we we put the kids to bed. It's very similar to the way y'all do. We kind of take turns and. We pray over them, and they say their prayers. And um, really specifically with Andrew, I've been able to see in that moment because it's almost like when he's going to bed, we're praying. Everything else is done. His five-year-old, oh, uh, or his seven-year-old sister, who's five years younger, is 
she's away out. It's just the two of us. Everything else is done. Um, I don't know. It's like you get to, you get to watch a lot in that moment. Um, I've even started to see it with her a little bit more like her prayers are, they're more directed at other people or other things outside of her, <clears throat> her little bubble, you know? And so that moment at the end of the day for us is really, has been really powerful, I think, for, for us to be able to lean into that and ask hard conversations and, and pray through things and ask for forgiveness or forgive other people. You know, like there's so many things that get to happen in that. And it's just a habit that it is scheduled and you didn't necessarily schedule the thing that was going to happen. Right. But you did set up a time like, hey, we, we're going to do this every night. And it might, you know, I loved your Pop-Tart and a prayer thing in the morning. Like, just get out of the car. Jesus loves you. Amen. You know, um, but if those habits are like throughout your life, you do have them set up. Things are going to happen in those moments eventually. You know, it's almost like setting up a date night, you know, might just be a mundane date or you guys might have an awesome, deep conversation, really grow your relationship if you really put time into it. Um, so I really, I really it's related just, with that part. It's just it. establishing routines where that kind of thing can happen. I think it's important, the whole Pop-Tart and a prayer thing, <laughs> second service just laughed at that, yeah. and that just came out of my mouth, and I told somebody joking afterwards, I said, the things they remember are things that I didn't plan to say at all, they just come. But I feel like in those moments, it's important for everybody to hear me or whoever the speaker is to say, it doesn't have to be these earth-shattering God moments every time you pray. Because yeah. sometimes you're late to school, you know, this might forgot their homework or or you're stressed and your kids are acting up and you really don't feel like praying and it's like, uh, God bless these kids now, get out of the car. I mean, some days, not every day, but some days are you just in a hurry and it doesn't feel like it, it means that much. Right. But keeping the habit going means a lot. I heard a guy say this uh, podcast or somewhere. He said, sometimes you're just going through the motions, but go through the motions. Mm-hmm. Because it's in the the habit of going through the motions that you really get something done. It doesn't have to feel incredibly meaningful every time. Yeah. Let's just do it. Yeah. You, know? you have these moments when you just kind of pray a prayer, and it just feels like the same thing you said last night. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is. But you're keeping that time open and that habit going, and then somewhere down the road, they're going to have a real situation that went on at school, wherever, something really in their heart. You're going to find out about it because you had that routine. Mm -hmm. And that's a no, that's good. That's a good, good moment. Yeah. I think they say that those moments are, I think, 75% of your life are the routine. It's the stuff you yeah. do every day. You yeah, know? it is. And if you can get that stuff right, 75% success so far in life. You know what I mean? Like, that's pretty big. Um, and your kids are... In my opinion, the top of that list of what am I going to pour into this? So, yeah, that's yes. huge. Yeah. Well, it's been fun it's uh, talking about eras. Uh, I think uh, this week coming up, we're going to be talking about just kind of the tension of pulling that bow back and trying to aim in the right direction and aiming and creating some tension at the same time, getting ready for the big release. You know, mm -hmm. we'll talk about that, I guess, the following week. And uh, it's going to be good. Just hope all the parents are blessed by it and yeah. uh, get some help in uh, in this crazy world we're in.
Yeah. Thank you all so much for being with us. We'll see you next time.